That Esports Podcast. All right, well, I'm now joined by notable esports consultant, the man who proclaims that he does not sign any NDAs. The one and only Slasher is in the house. Slasher, it's good to have you on uh, That Esports Podcast. Thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, I want to specify that's world's number one esports consultant, okay? Not just notable. Got All it. right, I, I've won countless international awards <laughs> for esports consultant, and I feel like that status um, should be noted. Okay, number one esports consultant in the world, uh, <laughs> Slasher. All right, man, well, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to have you on. Uh, Thank you. One, Thank you. one, because obviously, you know, you've, you've done so much in the world of esports. It's funny that uh, whenever I go on like Reddit or I'm reading about, you know, different things, somehow, some way, a thread pops up that has a tweet from you every time. Uh, for example, on the Rainbow Six subreddit, it was Slasher talks about Rainbow Six. Rocket League subreddit, same thing there. Uh, it's actually kind of cool how I've known you for such, I mean, for years. Honestly, you you were there at the start of my career. Um, you know the famous your famous show uh, F Slasher. We shan't not say the the name. Can't say that here on the show. Can't say it on the show. Can't do it. Okay, I go and bully here. It needs an explicit, uh, non explicit rating. Okay, on this podcast. I, I like to no keep naughty it, language. I like to keep it for the, for for the kids. Okay, for the kids, don't say what you can say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, you you you've you've done so much, and it's uh, pretty impressive to see how far your voice travels in, in in the world of esports. I mean, yeah, thank you. I mean, you too, man. You have done pretty much every game, uh, been casting and hosting that I can think of. Um, and I think you know, probably how it is for you is maybe similar to me. Is I've tried. I mean, because, you know, of course, I came from Quake specifically as my community. I played a ton of StarCraft as I was a kid, and I've been watching Counter-Strike for 20 years. So those are like my three like home games. Yeah. And it, it was very helpful that Counter-Strike is literally bigger than it ever has been. And StarCraft 2 is the game to kind of kick off a new wave of esports. Um, but I've tried to make it a point to really like get involved with every single different competitive community. There's so many different esports and... Um, cool games out there that have uh, thriving competitive scenes that it's about a celebration of the entire community and everything that that people are doing um, all, all across. So uh, yeah. bringing people together from all the different games has always been uh, a goal of mine, especially over the last few years. Yeah, it's actually something that I, I, I share with you uh, as well. You'd mentioned it before, but I, I try and bring that enthusiasm that I have for just video games in general uh to to the stage and to any cast i do and alongside whatever talent i'm working with because to me it's important right at the end of the day we're still talking about video games and it's awesome and video games are great and we should just you know appreciate how awesome they can be uh so you know and and then another game that you know the primary focus of this uh conversation is about the uh brand new riot games hero shooter hero tactical shooter uh, Valorant, uh, which has officially been announced as the title of the game, formerly known as Project A. Uh, initial reactions on Valorant when you first saw it, maybe as far back as when Riot first revealed it. What did you think about the idea of Riot trying to bring a tactical shooter back you know, into the spotlight? Something that CS has kind of just cornered 
on its own for a while and Rainbow Six is touched upon. Yeah, sure. Uh, just to bring this up at the beginning, I think I think we should go through this. So we were talking about before the podcast started uh, how to actually pronounce this, uh, whether it be Valorin or Valorin or something else. Then we I ended up Googling it to see if anyone had figured it out. There's a whole Washington Post article um, talking about the reveal of the game. And at the bottom of the article, they were like, we don't know how to say it either. So we're probably going to mix it up throughout the entire show. And I've already done an interview about this game yesterday with Shatter, and i said it like two or three different ways <laughs> i've on, committed to valorant here i've committed to valorant I, i'm not changing it although when i first saw it well, i thought it was valorant Valor- well know. that would be really weird <laughs> well because it was in all caps right so yeah that that's that wasn't good either yeah but, i'm actually it was confusing you know if we're gonna talk about anything to start about the name Okay, I think everyone should be aware that Project A, and I've been calling it Project Aeris for this for the entire time. I've tried to diversify myself from everyone else mm-hmm. talking about it because I've had more information on this project than than most people. And it, the A has uh, stood for Aeris the entire time, but it has only been a code name. And code names within develop video game developers are very common for their projects. Like yeah. Overwatch had a different code name before um, that game came out, and many games have. Uh, different code names and their eventual name um so it was never going to be quote-unquote project a or even project a is ever going to be called aris as the name of the game uh but valorant like i actually or valorant or or valor ant as we now um (laughs) are talking about it released in all capital letters as the official launch like there had been a few weeks in these past two weeks in terms of trademark registration and um, domain buying that kind of showed that this was going to be the name that riot landed on yeah i am not so in love with it it's okay it's all right like i i think it's it's like decent i think the letter v is kind of cool i guess for a start of a yeah video game name or whatever but like overwatch fucking sick sick name comparatively just for very um, true example and like overwatch as like a name has been used for a bunch of things but they really nailed that for like a legendary name straight off off the bat don't know if that is the same here it's like solid but also a little confusing as we're having this conversation uh to start so yeah. not totally sure how to feel about it. yeah you know the you're right because even when you think about other names that have that that have kind of stood out right like to me like one of the best names and it's so simple is halo i just i've always loved halo it's just simple it's to the point it's very clear uh, and and they've kind of owned it, right? If you just Google Halo, that's what comes up. And we actually spoke about this on Foreheads, um, and I think it was uh, uh, Josh or I think it was Sideshow or Brent. I don't remember which one uh, brought it up, but yeah, I think they just said it was about SEO, right? Like when you really think about it. Yep, I was just gonna mention that too. It, it, it's a it's a word that is it's made up on their own term. Uh, while Overwatch is is a uh, kind of a word, I think, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, you know they they they've owned that word. They they kind of cornered that part of the SEO, and uh, and then you know Halo did the same thing, and Valorant's trying to do that as well. So it's it's I think it's a, a pretty smart idea. Is it the sexiest name? Maybe not. I, I'm I'm gonna reserve judgment on it because I'm sure when people first heard Halo, they were like, ugh, 
what? <laughs> you know, like they were like, that that doesn't make any sense. But as you play the game, you learn why it's called Halo and, and why this is a thing. Uh, so perhaps, you know, that the, the, there could be a bigger, uh, bigger story to how this thing came to be, because I believe it's like the Valorant Protocol or whatever. It's kind of like their version of the Avengers Initiative, uh, of like bringing all these people together, these different uh, people with with abilities and and whatnot, and bringing them together to compete or or to like I don't know solve crimes. Who the hell knows at this point? Uh, and then the other <laughs> thing too is that the characters are actually called agents. So uh, another yep. uh, bit there as well. So they're called agents, not heroes, not champions. Which I think is smart. Um, they've, they've again done another thing where they've just departed from what everyone else calls it. Because even in I think Dota they're called heroes. Overwatch it's called heroes. Obviously fits with the tone. So you know interesting. Uh, but again to kind of go to the initial uh, question was really about you know Riot making a tactical shooter. Now you said you knew you had some info about this previously. Um, and, and well, I, I think it was kind of like the worst kept secret in, in esports at the very least. Cause I mean, I don't, I've never worked anything with Riot ever. And even I knew that they were making a shooting game. What kind of shooting game? I don't know, but I knew that they were making a shooting game. Well, you know, Volcano, who is a former pro counter he was on team 3d, uh, mm -hmm. for many, many years, won world championships with that team. Um, he has been working at Riot for almost five years now so um from talking to people and from knowing you know him and his circle it has been pretty evident that riot had been building a tactical competitive shooter this entire time they would have not have hired him and there were several other former counter-strike players that now work on riot and work on the valorant team currently um that all indicated that they this entire time had worked been working on um competitive tactical shooter yeah i really found out more about it i would say uh, maybe about six months ago as um you know people that were especially within the old counter-strike days especially the american counter-strike scene um yeah. and people that were within his uh, you know the circle of the people that were working on the game especially the old the old counter-strike guys like volcano um you know they had more access to try to test this thing out way before even the alpha that it mm. is from what i understand this game has even been like killed and restarted at least one time wow because volcano has been working there for quite a long time um you know building things out and testing it and there have been several games that have been tried to come out out of riot to make riot games you know the actual games uh <laughs> thing make make, make sense for for a while now but as we know um especially with developers that are quite successful they are canceling games that we never even find out about internally like several times over because they are trying to hit a certain level of quality that they know that will push through um yeah for the mainstream from, from what i understand i get they did not do that previously in their previous attempt at what this was going to be before but that they've come along far enough along that you know this is now um this is now a, a re but it was always going to be a a competitive tactical shooter from at least the way that they have been hiring had hired people um many many years ago and not just a recent thing it wasn't like they pivoted now 
from building a hero shooter. Like I never got the okay. Yes, this game, as you even mentioned it, as I was gonna, I was gonna say something in the way that you introduced the game. Technically, it's a competitive tactical hero shooter, not just a competitive shooter, a, a, a tactical shooter. Yeah, and that might be something to know. But only if there becomes a separate split-off genre from this. If there is another game that is a tactical shooter, which it like is Rainbow Six then a is a Rainbow Six hero Siege a, a tactical hero shooter? Yeah, what do you I I think that you could make the claim for it for sure. Uh, even though it, because you know, when people hear hero shooters, they think paladins, Overwatch, right? Overwatch first, obviously. You know, I actually think it's the terminology, like it, because uh, as you mentioned, they're called agents in this game. They're called agents in Rainbow Six, and the new characters in Counter Strike are also called eight. Well, no, they're called, called agents. operators in Rainbow Six. Operators. Oh, are they? But it's kind of the same. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. It's it's you know a uh, it's more of a military uh, angle. Rather than okay. it being a fantasy angle, if that makes sense. Well, even in the new Counter-Strike, the new characters all are called agents. They yeah. don't have different um, characteristics in terms of like... The, but the agents... Okay, the operators are a little bit different, but probably closer to agents than you think of when you hear heroes. When you think of the word heroes and you think of the word champions, you think of a more fantasy set. When you think exactly. of the word operators or you think of the word even agents, you're thinking more realistic... Um, uh, you know, military uh, setting in the game, even though that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what is happening. I do think in this case, it is um, interesting. Like the way that I introduced the game when it, when they first officially revealed the trailer, what Riot has officially released their 5v5 tactical um, shooter with magic and stuff. Uh, <laughs> because like it is sort of in the fantasy world and it is riot really are trying to blend it more than any other game rainbow six although there are opera um, operators and they do have different things that they can do the game the different things they could do are i would although you know some of them are not like super realistic yeah. um in the way that their the abilities work they are way more realistic and in tune with the world of rainbow six than what we are seeing in Valorant with the abilities with, you know, putting up a wall of water or a big green, you know, smoke thing or yeah. like or, or res or whatever. Those are not things that would maybe exist in this world of realism thing. Yeah, it, there, 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 there is an automated um, understanding of, of knowledge that there is a magical element in so th there, it, it goes both ways. Like the word hero, I think, is putting a lot of people off. Like even if you say it where it doesn't have as much meaning as it should. But at the same time, maybe it is an apt way to describe um, this game. And it, maybe it is even different enough from Rainbow Six that they are not the same type of game. Yeah, I think uh, I've also kind of explained it to people. I, I don't say hero shooter when I explain it to folks because I... Hero is very broad. What I say, it's a it's an ability shooter or a shooter with abilities, um, because for example, that's what Apex is, right? Like they're not heroes, even though they call the characters legends. 
Uh, they're not here. It's not a hero shooter. Like they're just characters that have abilities. Each character has an ability. Um, so it, it, it goes more in line with that. I mean, that's what Team Fortress 2 is, right? They're just characters with abilities, you know, like they all have unique traits about them. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you could, we could dive into that, the nuance of that for such a long time, because there's a lot to dissect. And also, because as you had mentioned, people are put off by it, right? Uh, they're put off by the idea of playing a hero shooter, like a guy who has been a dedicated Counter-Strike player for such a long time, and has kind of scoffed at the idea of, of you know, the, the, the overwatches of the world, and, and, though, and even Rainbow Six to an extent uh what what would appeal to them in valorant right i think that is the bigger thing who is riot trying to speak to here i think they're just trying to go after the overwatch counter-strike audience but more the counter-strike audience but who do you think they're trying to target because it's a pretty broad stroke that they're uh they're casting here yeah no i think this is definitely something to to kind of wonder of how they're approaching this it really does feel like they're trying to cast a wide net they want to bring um the people that are the competitive shooter which is, i actually think the game still from everyone that i've spoken to that has played this game already who is under nda unlike myself who does not sign ndas uh says this game is still more like counter-strike than it is like overwatch even though the public perception if you looked at all the twitter comments and youtube and everything would tell you that this is more of like an overwatch rainbow six game than it is counter-strike and that is really interesting due to how the gameplay might be and how they revealed the game and yes. how the reaction of the game is i'm actually not sure if it was intentional that riot wanted to showcase the game more as a magical like okay the, the three minute trailer that they put out which was the very first gameplay you know the the alpha footage that they put out yeah explicitly had several ultimates in the round and almost all of the abilities used by each agent in that round. And from everyone that I've spoken to, because the rounds are um, Counter-Strike is best of 30. Uh, this is going to be best of 26, first, first team to 13, mm -hmm. best of 25, sorry, rather. Everyone that I've spoken to says like 90% of the rounds are not like and that yeah. like that round was unique because it was like they had all of their alt charge or whatnot and abilities to use in the but most of the rounds you only have one or two and it is more you can kind of compare it more to like a, a general counter-strike round when you have mollies and smokes or whatever yeah and like it, there has been some gameplay not that footage showing where like a round of where you're it's just a dude headshot making three clean shots and like throwing one magical ability smoke right? which was much more of a normal counter-strike video but the very first footage that they put out there had all the ultimate stuff had like the flying drone thing it like showed like all of the different possibilities they, they do want to try to showcase the game and all the things they put in um, but they also do want to bring in that wider audience of people that are very interested in mythological and and magical things, as we see yeah, how big the, their own properties like League of Legends or whether it's Game of Thro or Overwatch or Game of Thrones or whatever, whatever the ring or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, magical stuff is is um, popular. So I do think it is um, worth considering how they use the promotional activity um, and. 
they wanted to cast a wider net. Uh, what, it, 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 I do think it is worth considering questioning them if maybe they made a misstep in trying to uh, read uh, the audience and uh, and to a bigger point, which I'll get to in a second, the Western. Because when they tried to at least appeal to the Western audience, the, obviously, as I mentioned, um, the game has had Counter-Strike pros on the main development team, and the development of the game was always going to be more of the tactical shooter than it was still i still think then the um like the the ability uh, ultimate side of thing yeah and so if the development of the game was always going to be that way why is the release of the footage of all of the beginning of the game more sided to the other way giving the impression to all those counter-strike fans or even rainbow six fans or call of duty fans that this is like some paladins overwatch clone made on a mobile game or some not nonsense that they're gonna you know uh, put out so it was a little maybe they a little didn't a little mix but i do think as I, I mentioned the bigger the much bigger um issue here that is being overlooked is asia and th- how the potential for this game to be the biggest game in china and korea and southeast asia is why this game is could be the biggest first person shooter in the world exactly this this was why i made that tweet thread a few weeks ago about it being the biggest first person shooter in the world because there's a lot of things going on right now that i think people take advantage when looking at counter-strike is undoubtedly the number two esport in the world and it is the biggest as first person shooter um in the west when you combine europe and um north america yeah, uh, based on viewership and prize money and players and and all, even though Call of Duty is um, sold way more copies in the U.S. and it is a bigger name for especially American households yeah, as a due video to game. Counter yeah, Duty, video. Call of Duty is 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 massive uh, as a video yes. game, whereas Counter Strike yes. as an esport trounces it, you know, fourfold practically with how with with what it what it brings to the table. Uh, yeah, no, that's a that's actually a really good point. Uh, you mentioned the thing about abilities, and there was a, a Polygon article that actually went out that was kind of like a Q and A on different ability on, on the different subjects in the game. And one of the questions was, "Can I only use abilities if I'm not very good at shooting?" And they explicitly say, "No, you might still find that you're somewhat useful to your team, but you won't be doing much good overall if you can't win a gunfight." There are agents with easier skills to master, but there aren't any characters that will make the shooting easier. So uh, that is a a big line to me because what they're essentially saying is, and I hate to be so broad here, but if you're one of those folks that's like a mercy main, this game is not for you. Uh, Maybe you can find some entertainment in it. Maybe you can get into it because you might like the world and maybe you are, you do want to get better at shooting and, and, you know, the, just the mechanics of an FPS game. But if you're that individual that just likes, you know, auto healing beams onto a person this game is more than likely not going to be your cup of tea. But if you're an Ana main, for example, you might actually enjoy this. Uh, so there's there with the with the media, they've been very explicit that this is a tactical shooter uh, through and through. Um, but then that video comes out and it's very broad. It's very like, hey, guys, look at all these sick abilities we have, which I also kind of I, I said this previously on a stream of mine. And I kind of have some issue with the way that the with the art direction of the abilities. I feel like mm-hmm. they're very samey. 
in in the in, in the way they look. Uh, here's this wall of ice that is one pastel color. Here's this uh, smoke thing that is three pastel colors. Here is a smoke bomb that is a, a bland gray orb. Uh, you know, like everything kind of feels very similar. But then folks are like, yeah, but that's the reason why it's like that is because it's that it's made to run on the lowest spec engines or lowest spec cps uh, cps pcs you could possibly have that is clearly their audience they're going after asia hard that is what they want they want to be able to take the tactical shooter and dominate asia in a way to counter strike never could and i agree with you that is the reason why this game is going to blow up but is it going to be enough to rip people away from counter strike i don't think so uh in the west and it, it, no in the west and Yes, because as I mentioned, the game and and what the opportunity is for this, even though Counter-Strike is huge in North America and in Europe and in South America, and Call of Duty is huge, especially in America and with consoles and with mainstream, in, neither game is big in Asia, really, for, for the most. Call of Duty Mobile is done okay, and Counter-Strike Go is played in an okay amount in China. Yeah, but and it's still a PUBG extent, and Sudden Attack and Crossfire. Those are still yeah. the kings out there. Yeah, like, yeah, and so Fortnite, for example, huge in North America and Europe, never took off in China. And they put a Apex, lot of money into it. Apex Legends, huge here, never took off in China, and the biggest first-person shooters in China and Korea are, as you mentioned, PUBG, which has lost a lot of its steam here in North America, and Overwatch, which is only doing okay here compared to all of those other games. Um, and then you have the games that are made in those countries, which is Sudden Attack in Korea, which is a Counter-Strike clone, which has been there for a very long time. And Crossfire is the big game in China that uh, Riot and Tencent have to deal with with Valorant to compete against. Um, yeah. That is the game that a lot of people don't know makes literally $2 billion a year. And it actually has like 500 million players or some insanity just within China. Have you ever played so, it? Like, yeah, it's I like, I, I, it's like I, I didn't mind it. <laughs> it was so arcadey and ridiculous. No, and I actually think that maybe Riot was a, not the development team's little inspired here, but of obviously because Riot is owned by Tencent and there is a Chinese audience, and I, I still think this game is made for that Asian audience. Sudden Attack and Crossfire both had a little bit more of an arcadey magical feel to Cat. I don't know if that's why it was they were successful over there, or if it was just because they ripped off the game, and that is why yeah. the game was successful. It could be either way. But it does show that, especially with Overwatch, um, although PUBG is a very realistic shooter, and, uh, and of course, so Asian um, FPS players play realistic shooter, they really are into the magical element of things. So having this, you know, having this game not just be a strictly militaristic um, or even arcade Counter-Strike-like uh, tactical shooter, and it does have these magical elements, it is much more realistic that they're going to gain the audience of Korea, China, and Southeast Asia and these other um, regions to play the game. Yeah, it's impressive that Riot is... They, you know, I think for a lot of us that uh, educate ourselves on a variety of different games and, and what they do and, and, and the attention that they pull, um, 
that we're seeing the writing on the wall here, but a lot of other people, you know, who who are very much I, I don't want to insult and say closed minded, but they they are not as well versed in in what's going on out in, outside of uh, NA and EU. This game is is made for not just us because we're going to play it no matter what because it's a new shooter, but it's also made for this audience that is maybe they're ready for it and we'll we'll never know. We'll we'll see what happens. Um but I am excited though for the future of what this game can provide and there's been a lot of discussion about uh where they can go as an esport and I want to get your take on this because my personal view is I don't think they go the LCS route. If they, I, I believe that what they're going to do is the thing that Blizzard should have done and ultimately stumbled on, which was allow those third-party TOs to run these events and when the opportunity calls for it, create a unified system because they're riot and that's what they can do but i still think that we are going to be seeing a lot of event focused uh you know event an event focused esport rather than a league focused esport what do you think uh about that no i mean i totally agree uh i think that riot understands that in this new like age of esports with all this money coming that there has been a good amount of criticism coming from like the endemic community that at times there's been too much um uh forcefulness in terms of trying to make a game into an esport and or there's been too much hands-on approach at the very beginning of a game's life cycle without letting the organic community kind of take control and i think that they recognize that with this game and that they're not going to... St- like, the game's not going to come out in the summer, and then the franchise, Baylor and Wing, is going to launch, like, right after, okay? Yeah. That's going to take, like, two years. And that is going to happen, by the way, but it's going to take, like, two... Maybe I'm going to say, like, two years. So you think I'm we say, go for a franchise league eventually? 100%. I give Riot the credit of not fucking things up in the first year. I do agree with you. They're going to they're gonna let the community make tournaments. I think we're going to see, like, ESL tournaments and DreamHack events. We're going to see, like, the organic community uh, make events. I think we're going to see a lot of, like, streamer, like, just as Fortnite did. Like, Epic was incredible at creating the Pro-Am and mixing together streamers and pro players and celebrities and athletes all together to make, like, you know, not just esports, but, like, a competitive environment for everything. That was a big part of the success of Fortnite. I think Epic will learn from that, even though this won't have, I don't, it's still difficult as a 5v5 shooter to kind of have that kind of mainstream appeal i think is a battle royale for a few reasons they're going to try to do that and they're going to allow the organic tournament scene um to come up i think you're right but 100 percent in two years time maybe three years time the franchise variant league is going to happen and it's going to be owned by riot and there's going to be organizations and there's going to be teams see i I think that they're going to totally sure that's going to happen i think that they I think that they might go the pro circuit route and and allow the third parties to continue to operate because it's a safer option than bringing it everything though? in the house. Is it though? Okay, okay. See, let's have some real talk right now. I'm not sure how much you're following the current Counter Strike. Uh... Yeah, no. Okay, yeah, I am. I am. Okay, so I, I like get that. okay, Counter Strike is literally the number two esport in the world. It is. It just hit almost a million concurrent players, making it the most players the game has ever had in 20 years. It still hit a million concurrent viewers for this past weekend, making it the most viewed event ever that was a non-major. 
and still all of the teams and organizations are trying to figure out what the fuck to do about this calendar year. You have this new thing, Flashpoint, which is half owned by the counter, the Cloud9 um, team owners and a few other teams who have hired Thorne and Monte Cristo to do the league's bidding and be out there like doing PR for the Counter-Strike community uh, mm. and that team. And then you have ESL um, and DreamHack pulling like you know, this like insane exclusivity, like lever over everyone because they have so much leverage and power and they can get all of the teams. Uh, and then you have the Blast Pro series, which has come in and tried to uh, make events and do things. And you have people complaining about all of that. You have all of the team owners and leagues fighting online. You have people like Sir Scoos, who have known for a long time, who, um, was representative of the Counter-Strike um, Player Association. Players Association get in the middle of things, and he feels like I, I, I remember seeing some tweets. Maybe he wanted to step down or like or, or, or take a little bit, a step back because of things that have happened. So even though like everyone that I speak to in the Counter-Strike scene always defends how you know if we're only allowed to just do things the way that we've been doing things and let let you know Valve lets third-party organizations run, run the events and do the search. Yeah, we see everyone trying to do their thing. And as much as we give shit to Riot and Activision Blizzard for franchise leagues and taking too much control, look at what the look at what the opposite problem what happens when Valve does not give at all um the care that the game deserves mm -hmm. and lets people kind of do what they want. Yeah, it allows independent organizations to make money, but there's no oversight really to what's going on. And you still have an extremely fractured community of events and different leagues and things happening. So if yeah. we take even current day 2020 Counter-Strike Go as an example, why would Riot not look at that and be like, you know, we actually have done pretty well with LCS and LEC and LPL and, we, we, and everything is going pretty well. I... We... We feel pretty confident that we could do this with them. And if yeah, I was them, yeah. that that seems to me like um, that would be the the reason more to go. That I I can see. I feel like you are thinking that the um, circuit that Counter Strike is better only because you see Counter Strike in that fashion. Mm. And yeah, well, I I I look at it as like. You know, I, I if if I had to compare the franchise leagues and who's doing it better, I personally believe Riot is doing it better. Uh, I think that I you agree. Know, they went in with a lower number, um, and and I think that a lot of the teams that are in there, I, I of course I don't know this for a fact. Uh, perhaps you have a little bit more uh, insight on this, but I would imagine that a lot of the teams are pretty happy. When I spoke to some owners, you know, about like Call of Duty League, for example. The ones that were not involved, they were like, yeah, we're okay not being involved in this thing. But those people are also involved in League of Legends. So it's very clear that, like, one is way more favorable than the other. And the idea of creating brands and all that stuff around the league, it's cool and everything because you and I are both, you know, big New York Excelsior fans. Uh, and Ambox did a brilliant job with, with that team. 
But that's like one example of one that took the ball and ran with it. And then you have a, a few other examples of teams that haven't really quite found that mojo yet that can really get them the audience that they so desperately need in order to build upon their their home and away structure, their their homestand structure, if you will. Uh, so I think for that reason, I'm, I'm more on the side of like, yeah, you know, I think Riot may look at the circuit idea and have a little bit more oversight in it. I don't think you let the third parties run, you know, wild and do whatever they want. But perhaps it, it can have some, like you said, some oversight on 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 what is going to be this structure. And again, this is all speculative, and and who knows really. But yeah, of course. I think that riot they they have multiple paths that they could take, and and genuinely don't think either one is like a bad idea. I, it's just dependent on what it is that they think is going to be best for their game in the long run. Um, but it's still exciting because. We've seen so many different models in esports now. There's so many different takes on what works, quote unquote, versus what doesn't work, right? And and it's fun because Riot now has this unique opportunity to be able to say, yeah, well, we like what they're doing. We'll take that. Oh yeah, we're we're the we're the granddaddies of that of the LCS structure, the league structure. Yeah, we'll, we'll take a little bit of that too. Um, I just don't want to see a world where we end up like the Overwatch League, where I love the Overwatch League. But I hate the uh, the the off season. It's like we get literally nothing in the off season. Just Overwatch World Cup, which is a fun event. But even then, I mean, it's now that it's more in League of Legends, is uh, it really? I mean, I mean, like the world champion, like the world championship is only one of the few times at the international competition. Like the world championship and MSI are like two of the only tournaments where there's international competition, unlike where in Counter-Strike, there's international competition like 35 times a year, or Dota 2, which is, That's true. you know, the, the, these open circuits. Yeah, like Overwatch League and League both have this issue. I do think that Overwatch League has more of a problem. We Riot has done a better job of at least supplementing some more stuff. And like MSI is a good example, where they do have that mid-season tournament which they then turn into an international tournament. And they've done a good job of like kind of having two world championships, even though MSI is nowhere. It doesn't matter if you win MSI and then you, you lose worlds, obviously. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like how much it, it yeah, matters. It's like, sweet, um, we won MSI. Now we're in a better position to win worlds rather than, you know, MSI is worlds, you know, many But worlds. it is at least something uh, like Overwatch. Their idea, which I think has been okay, was to do stage finals. Where yes. now each of the stages has its own tournament at the end, um, and you get to see like four different playoffs before you get the real. The three first playoffs don't matter; they're just for showing cool stuff to the fan. And then the final playoff season is the actual playoff, and yeah. that has been Overwatch League's way of doing things, which I don't think has been so bad. I think the stage playoffs have been okay. Call of Duty League is a little bit different. The fans actually criticize the way that they replicated the Overwatch League so hard that now at each of the home stands they do they pivoted. Like, tournaments. Yeah, they pivoted back to old school tournaments from the Overwatch League. Is that it was actually very interesting. The Call of Duty community complained. It's be, it's because the Overwatch community, the Overwatch esports community, organically did have an organic community. Obviously, because I was a big part of it for a while. Yeah, I, yeah. You were there too before, like Blizzard stepped in. But there wasn't as long of a history so that the fans didn't have some insane pushback to when Overwatch came. 
Call of Duty League, they've been running tournaments and Call of Duty for like, you know, 12, 10, 15 years now. Many whatever years it is. now. Many years. Yeah, so trying to switch it to like how the Overwatch League schedule was going to be run, of course, it pissed everyone off. It, it's and just they like Halo. See it more. Yeah, yeah. Halo is the same thing, right? When they when ESL did the Pro League structure, everyone's like, uh, cool and everything, but we want events. You know, we, we want open tournaments because... That's what this franchise's eSport was built on, was an open event structure. And then HCS is like, all right, we're abandoning Pro League, or we'll keep running Pro League for now because we have to, and we're just going to do open events. And then they just shifted and just did open events entirely. And while Halo obviously is a smaller sample size, it is a good example of a uh, dev kind of being like, okay, we know what people want, so let's just go ahead and do this. Whereas Overwatch didn't really have that leg to stand on that call of duty halo counter-strike you know those those games have uh so yeah and then you know i guess finally uh the last bit to talk about and this is more of a fun bit um because Uh, and i think you know where we're going uh you know there's kind of like you know i'm from the streets right i was born and raised in the bronx and you know i'm used i'm used to the turf wars you know what i mean i'm used to the to the territorial disputes that would occur and it seems as if in valorant we're getting exactly that now except instead of the turf wars it's it's discord servers and instead of it being the thugs of the bronx it's just a bunch of gamers uh so <laughs> you know and you've been you've been pretty uh vocal about these uh these communities and you also uh you know very well known created the ow which was the first um and i i don't know what happened to it actually but it's the first overwatch discord community before this was even a thing by the way uh Mm -hmm. you guys were doing it because discord didn't take off the way that it is now um so yeah thoughts on thoughts on all the, the different territorial disputes happening in the world of discord communities um, yeah, I mean, I do think it is very cool in, in the last like few years, just in general, that there are so many different competitive communities that are popping up around when Fortnite came out and PUBG and Apex, there were like several different like large pro focus, com- competitive focus communities with pro players and streamers and developers all kind of in one place. And I do think that is very cool. When I started um the ow in late 2015 when the overwatch closed beta was coming out uh, and before any of this happened that was really my goal because i felt like that really hadn't been done um to a large scale and that i felt and i still feel this way that no one is able to do it besides me and that i am only <laughs> one of the very few people in my position that is able to get everyone that i know in one place at one time and discord is that thing because it of course is just irc 20 years later yep um and making that happen was a big goal of mine in overwatch because that was a game that was coming out then and that was a big first person shooter and that was like a game that like is when back then there was no battle royales there's no Fortnite, apex or PUBG. nope like there was nothing to do if you were a first person shooter player there was everyone was playing dota and well, we had h1z1 h1z1 was sure, about it true, but i mean like sure. that was not anything i mean you know their, their audience was like nowhere near the size of yeah, what, h1 what h1 was the game and that was actually very cool times uh on t- um but for a lot of people overwatch is going to be that game so bringing everyone together and unifying everyone and having like a server to, to do that was really um, my goal. Um, I do think it's great that uh, everyone else has been inspired by my work to 
um, create a pretty much identical servers, even down to the way that I named my channels. Yeah. Because I, I did put in a lot of work of how I like named each of the different channels and where you're supposed to have discussion and how you moderate the discussion and how I, I do the invite practices. And I'll go into other discords now and it'll have literally the same thing yeah. that, I did, that I did four years ago. So I think it's very cute. Everyone that is making uh, <laughs> Valorant the uh, Discord, um, there will be and or may already be right now um, the only one that matters, which is the one that <laughs> I am running. Uh, I'm no excited to the name. One. I'm excited to know the name. I we obviously you don't have to share it now, but I'm excited to know the name because you know the, everything's been taken, man. It's like Valorant Pro, Pro Valorant Project Valorant. I know, very innovative in. Uh, very good ideas, everyone. I can see your the wit is the wit is strong, and um, unfortunately, no one listening to the show will actually be able to get into the server. Um, and, well, not not everyone. I know you're very ecl eclectic uh, listener base, Alex. I won't say everyone. Most of you out there are gonna have to go join those other discords that um that Alex well was that was that was the big thing though about uh the ow was that it was actually a pretty exclusive uh community of pro players or top not pro players but because at the time we didn't have any um but it was a, a lot of top players from games that came across a, a wide spectrum in 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 the community um and then obviously uh talent and then there was also like just known community members as well team owners team owners caster it was kind of you know there was a point in time where it was the source and a place to go for uh for for the you know the the pro community um and that was a big deal that was actually a really big deal do you think that you'll get pushback from people because it is going to be closed off um yeah uh, uh, of course and i did get that pushback i mean it is a, a balance it is technically still a private server as of this day but there are twenty thousand people in the ow now and it has never been a public server i've never gotten it a a username because you can't get a username unless it's public and there's the only way to get in is still to get the invite url and i've always tried try to kept it that way of course it is no longer has much meaning now that twenty thousand people are in it and it's still technically and invite uh, only server but really if you want to protect a certain level of quality you do kind of have to be an elitist about it but it is not i mean that isn't the the intent or point of it it really was to gather um professional players and um casters and the developers who made the game uh the team owners everyone that is um you know that is working in the industry especially at the top level yeah. for the betterment of the community as a whole for the game like a big portion of it was so that pro players could communicate and give feedback directly to the developers so i mean i had all of blizzard including jeff kaplan at one time in that server that included all of esports the development team the marketing team the social media team uh, you know, uh, the community team, all those people yeah. were in that one server and you could communicate to whichever of the different people that you needed to get to. If you were a pro player or a team owner or a caster, I think I, I provided a server that was easier access than anything else that you could get um, out there in social media, unless you had a direct contact, like a phone number to to one of these people. I think that was that was important to me. It was making the community better, making the game better. And unfortunately, that that does need to be a certain level of um of privacy in terms of how many people um can get there but i, I you know a lot of 
me thought about like i don't want to keep it just so closed off i've always been a big proponent of um bringing more people into esports and not being uh, gatekeeping and don't keep people out and bring more people in and eventually that's what i ended up doing to the server and i ended up bringing more people in and inviting more people and more people and more people i wanted to include all of all top 500 players yeah then i wanted to include all of gm players i wanted to make a compute a community um, focus on the top end of competitive but not just the pro scene have it be the tier two scene have it be the tier three scene the tier four scene some of the issues with this is that it gets diluted yeah and this makes people not want to communicate and converse in a channel with ten thousand other people it's well, it's just not something yeah. that's welcoming and or it's impossible to that is the problem that i'm having right now because i am a part of the valorant uh pro one and then uh my a buddy of mine actually dexbot who i've i've known for a little while now from the call of duty community um he is uh doing the project valorant uh discord um Yep, and I uh, they yeah. take my tweets all the time. I've had some fun times these last few days with all, all of these Twitter <laughs> accounts and Discord accounts as I've been reporting some exclusive news, like them canceling the event because of the coronavirus. Yeah, everyone just so happens to love my tweets. It so happens to repurpose them and repost them without asking. Or, hey, man, I always hit you with a hot retweet, dude. I always got thank, your back. Thank you. You 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 can always count on a golden boy retweet um i can't but yeah i was saying i was gonna say that the the these discords i really don't engage in them because it's like not really all that uh well for one there's no like real conversation that you could possibly have and uh and and that, that I, that's always the thing that i'm looking for i'm looking for like engaging conversation about the game one of my favorite uh online communities is team beyond uh be, and that's a halo community and you know there it's mm -hmm. it's still a forum which is like you know because those are like old mlg guys from back in the day, they were still running the MLG forums. Um, but you had threads that were just very specific to a subject. And I always appreciated that because it was fun conversation that you can have debates and arguments and so on and so forth. Uh, things that obviously nowadays people don't really want to have debates and arguments anymore. It's either I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, but there is still, I think, room for uh, fun discourse on on variety of different subjects. So. I mean, it is um, a lot harder on to to do in Discord just based on the way that the technology works as compared to a forum where you're able, where you're able to write like a long reply and then someone will reply. I mean, think about how hard it is when you're in like a group chat of 15 people and multiple people are typing at one time and yeah. how hard that is to keep up. When you get to like hundreds of people, let alone like a thousand people in one room with a live chat, you can't, it doesn't work that way. Okay? It's a shouting you can't, match. <laughs> it's a shouting match. And it's also not just, uh, it's very difficult to communicate with so many people at one. I mean, you know, Flame, right? Yeah. Uh, he's the Houston Outlaws GM. Okay. He was one of the people at the very beginning of my Discord that got into huge arguments with every single person. If I go through the logs of Flame at the beginning of the Discord, oh yeah. People would be like there there's no way this is the GM of uh, Overwatch. <laughs> it was literally well, that was the reason why possible. He, he had a, some pushback on him being talent, right? It was because of that. I actually have Flame uh on on the podcast too, which is funny talking to him now as a GM and then he was just like, you know, this trash poster on, on Discord. He still kind of is, though, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah I mean, I, I, I was too. I was too, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. So I, I understood where he was where he was coming. It's um, it, it's good times though. Well, all right. So we, but I do I do want to say one thing that is on. uh, important there just just to make um, like I am going to be doing the same uh, for Valorant. One of the things that was very important to me about the OW is that Blizzard did not own the server, and Blizzard has its own Overwatch League server, and Riot has its own uh, Valorant server now, which they can do whatever they want to. But they will never be able to organize as well as a community can or as someone who was in the community like myself who knows mm. um, is more connected to people than straight up the developer is. And it is very important that I, I feel like um, it's good that me or, or Dexpot, people that you know, are owners of these servers that have Riot in them and Blizzard in them, but they are not controlled. I mean, we see everything that's happening right now with the new Valorant subreddit. Where... What, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that real fast? Because I actually don't think it's as big of an issue as it's being let off to be, especially when you read Pwiff's like, uh, tweets and, and how he's kind of sectioning off i know you have issues though with the league of legends subreddit though yeah yeah no i no i think i think you're totally right like uh i, I read a bunch of back and forth between richard lewis and Pwith and um oh i forget his name the other pr guy for for riot and mm -hmm. it, it seems like they registered the name they registered it early on once they knew the name um and they like that them doing that was in some big conspiracy that was just riot being smart and getting the name and um and, and but they're not owning the subreddit. I don't believe that um, Riot is like. Exactly. I don't think they have any interest with in the it. I don't think that is right. And I think that it, people that are going down that pathway are are missing the legitimate criticisms and the problems. It's very kind of similar to politics. People are taking like something that is not a big deal and they are making a huge deal out of it, and then it is it is misfocusing on the actual problem. The actual issues are the decisions that the the League of Legends mods have made on the League of Legends subreddit, which have been very detrimental to competitive discussion or discussion around esports, such as the free agency debacle with Jacob Wolf and ESPN um, in the free agency period, which then could transfer over to um, mm -hmm. the Valorant subreddit based on their moderation policies. That is a legitimate concern. That should be worrying for people because I do not have, I do not personally have confidence in the uh, the leadership of the League of Legends moderation team, and yeah. I think it is troubling for Riot to give um, the subreddit over to these people for that reason, not because there's a conspiracy between the the the, the Riot and the mods in a larger way, just because I don't think they're competent in the way that they've run the League of Legends subreddit and that they're not going to do as good of a job in their subreddit because of that. Yeah, yeah, there, there's a lot of... Uh, I'm actually actually pulled up on my end the conversation between Richard Lewis along with Ryan Rigney and uh, and, and Chris Tom, Chris, uh, those two gentlemen being the communications lead, Ryan, at uh, League of Legends and Riot Games, and then uh, Chris Tom, the global communications lead for Valorant. Um, and it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I get it. Uh, and, and I have nothing, I personally have a great relationship with Richard Lewis. So I appreciate his, his, uh, pushiness when it comes to the questions that he's asking, uh, because you know, the, the tweet, what from Pwiff was, you know, the conspiracy theory, the conspiracy theories running around the R Valorant subreddit mods are crazy. 
there is a standard NDA required for access to play the game in the alpha, aka don't leak our goddamn game, but no NDAs were signed to set up the subreddit. I just want to preemptively, he just wanted to preemptively set it up. And then Richard Lewis then says, so you gave the mods knowledge of the name of the game two months before it was announced without having it protected by an NDA? And then Chris then responds, no, more like two-ish two weeks, uh, right? Aether connected me on February 21st because I had to put it off. And then I said, screw it, no time for NDAs. Please don't leak us. And then I shared it with them. That's literally it. Richard then continues to, to pry on the subject to really get down to it. Uh, then Ryan Rigney comes in because I think there was also controversy with the Team Fight Tactics subreddit um, as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's 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 sound to be speculative, especially when it comes down to companies owning communities, right? Like I totally understand it. Um, but sometimes, and I know this from working at Twitch, uh, obviously before Amazon's, you know, full takeover of it, but, you know, working at Twitch, it was more or less just like, hey, dude, we just got to get this thing done. Oh, okay, cool. Let's just do it like this. All right, sweet. Now it's done. Let's move on to the next thing. And that kind of is the vibe that I'm getting here. But again, it's like when you're dealing with the League of Legends subreddit, which has been extremely restrictive uh, over the course of these last few years, um, I understand the 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 frustration that people have it makes i mean sense. You, you know like the league of legends subreddit specifically hasn't been super fair to richard and of course there's like a long history yeah there, and neither to you as well and to thorin and basically even jacob wolf if i'm correct yeah like, yeah just so, reporting in general <laughs> yeah like it's not it's not been super great in terms of confidence that we independently have that moderation team to do a good job of the Valorant subreddit, which is like what is part of the, um, like is part of this, this yeah. session here. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, so, so then now speaking of it, the only reason I mentioned this, that is why I feel like I want, I, I want an in these discords should be independently owned from the, so that in these discords with all the pro players and the team owners and the community, Riot or Blizzard cannot dictate what is said in these channels. If things are leaked, they will be leaked. They will not be removed. They will not be edited. There will be no censorship. There will be no censorship of critique. I mean, I personally, as you are very well known, blasted the hell out of Blizzard to their faces directly in this Discord during the closed beta operations of the beginning of Overwatch yep. all the way through Overwatch League before it was announced in the middle of it. Um, in the mid in the beginning of Overwatch esports, all through that time, directly to their faces. Now, some of them did not take this the great the greatest ways. Uh, can't imagine why they would not do that. Um, uh, but but others, I think, actually were were kind of understanding of where I was coming from. I'm very passionate yeah. about the game. I played Overwatch eight hours a day every day on a very high end competitive level, so I knew what I was talking about. Not just as, just as an industry figure, but as someone who actively plays their game. And I was very vocal to lead my opinion and the community to what I think should happen. And I think it is important that, you know, independent control and not letting the publishers, developers own even more than they do is, is a big part of. Yeah, I, I recall back then and, you know, we'll wrap it up. But I recall back then you were. Oh, no, no. I have something to bring up before we go. Oh, I have to say it is related to this. But, but yeah. you were one of the community members i believe it was a lot of people from the ow were the the big leaders on the time bank 
Um, I if I if I recall correctly, one hero limit. Yeah, and one hero limit actually was one the biggest one. Limit. Yeah, you guys were massive on the one hero limit side. And then I remember you gave me crap for what was it? Uh, damn it, you gave me crap for something. I forgot what it was. I think it was the uh map sets. Uh, I think it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Map draft. Map draft. Or, or That's lack right. Thereof. I still, I still am not. I was never really too big into map drafts. Uh, but then again, though, also not really too big into assault to CP. So, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but I still, Hey, you know what though? I still stand it by it because I think that, you, you know, in order to be for the game and the vision that they had, they wanted everyone to be good at everything. If it was only just one game mode, you know, then I would, I know I would be like, Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, map draft should be a, a thing, uh, 100%. But you know, again, I think, I think we can argue about that another day. Um, what was the thing that you wanted to mention? Uh, uh, well, you know what? It's just that, like, you know, I, uh, I fight for the players. I am generally a journalist and not an activist in terms of the way that I do things. And I do look at things equally. But I want is what is best for the game, especially if I personally have to play ranked every single day and deal with the same nonsense that everyone else does yeah. in terms of whatever game they're playing. So if I have to deal with... <laughs> you know, 50% uh, Discord or 50% uh, Boost or Triple Tank or Goats or whatever it is everyone else has to do, I'm going to be more vocal than everyone else combined and fight Blizzard. I sent 21 eggplants to Jeff Kaplan's office and, made, and then had a Blizzard employee bring it to his office and then take a picture. The eggplant represented one hero limit and removing two CP um, <laughs> from the map pool because we were we we knew early on. It only took us a few weeks of playing the closed beta to immediately understand the game could not work. Pick playing whatever you wanted to. Yeah. We played double widow, double McCree for a year and a half. We played double Winston, double Lucio for a year and a half because we figured out the game so quickly. And we knew Assault was garbage in the first week of the game. It's five years later, and it still sucks, yeah, Alex, still okay? It I, still I sucks. We were on to something, right? We we knew what we were talking about all the way back then. And I feel like that is going to happen um, with Valor right now. We're, I'm going to be just as vocal, especially as a first-person shooter player myself, that once I encounter some bad stuff and I know it's going to happen, I know it's going to happen in this game. I could already tell with the scatter arrow wall hack thing and some and the drone thing that I'm going to be complaining really early on, Alex. I can already yeah, I'm, tell. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, but I'm going to be fighting for, for the good of the people. But, but okay? do you think, it's though, the good that you, of the game. do you think, though, that you'd go about it in a different manner than you did back then or or or? or or do you feel like you've learned and that you're cap and that or, or not learned? That that probably is an inappropriate uh, term there because it implies that you were doing something wrong. When I don't think you were necessarily doing anything wrong. I was always you've known me for a very long time. I'm always of the you know the, the very moderate perspective on everything. Where and that's kind of how I how I move. Uh, whereas you've always been very like, Hey, this is, I think wrong and this needs to be fixed and this is how it should be done. And I accept no other, uh, ultimatum, right. Am I wrong in that assessment there? 
Um, I I do think that is right. I, I am growing and getting old. <laughs> I, I look. I will. I will say. I will say. When I was criticizing Blizzard very heavily, it was in the Discord in a private channel. That's okay, fair. This was, That's fair. This was not over Twitter. This was not over public social media. Although all of the pro players in the industry was in this channel, and you could all see me criticizing Blizzard. I, which could maybe even uh, maybe Blizzard could argue was even worse than Twitter because it had like all the important people seeing me yell more than usual. Um, Fair, I yeah. wasn't trying to do it in a public manner. It it was semi private, um, and I do think I can admit I was a little bit crude at times. I do think I probably went too far in the way um, that I argued some stuff, and you can even see it in current day national politics. Even if you feel like you're on the right side of something. And you are going about it so aggressively, um, even though that is part of my style and I don't know how much I'm going to hold back on it. It can be very off-putting for some people and some people just will not want to listen to you if you are so aggressive. I do understand that. Now, am I going to change? Mm, not actually sure. Going, I don't think you, sh- I don't there, think you have to there change. Is a, no, there is a world where I'm actually even more um aggressive than i was before oh because i have a bigger following in social media than i did before i'm way more active based on like i wasn't very active back then publicly because of uh per personal reasons so that is no longer um, an issue now and i would be also in control of what might even be a bigger uh professional discord and home for everything fair so enough I, I can i can combine all of the social media mainstream media appearances interviews and the private discord critique all at the same time mm. um to push for things that i want i also don't feel so bad for the billion dollar corporations that are activision blizzard or riot i am one singular guy they can take it they can fair enough they'll, they'll, they'll be fine Fair enough. I you see, it's interesting because you mentioned a corporation, but I always think about the people. You know, I always think about the folks that are reading the messages, right? And and the uh, and the. No, pers- this is. But I know, this, this I know is, what you're saying. I know what you're saying. No, I actually, and I'm very um, cognizant of of this issue. I never attack community. I don't go after PR people. I will never go after a low level person. Whenever I criticize Overwatch, it is always Jeff Kaplan. One hundred percent of the time, it is Jeff Kaplan, or I go after Bobby Kotick of Activision Blizzard because those are the people in charge of their respective teams. Those are the people that are making like good money i don't know how much money of course bobby kozak is making millions jeff kaplan is not making millions but he's doing like okay i feel okay going after jeff kaplan because at the end of the day it's it's his game and it's his team don't go after low-level community managers on twitter or whatever you're being an asshole you're being you're being you're not being a nice person you're not actually going to get any change you're not you're not punching up that's not the way to go no but i will say this much jeff kaplan is an extremely pleasant person and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I've enjoyed all of my conversations with him. I love Tiggle. He will Tiggle. <laughs> tiggle. Tiggle. In my heart. Tiggle, tiggle in your heart. Right tiggle your heart all day long. Uh slasher. Uh wait, no, we, we didn't we didn't go oh over my God. that one thing. Go over the we're an hour over. I've lost all my audio listeners. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? Ha- have you? Have you? I don't know. Okay. Who knows? I think this, this has been pretty engaging. Go ahead. This this part is the best part though. Um okay. you said that that Discord were the thing that people have been talking about. There is one other thing people have been talking about that has been a rival. Um, between communities back and forth that has already happened early on. And what is this? And you know this, Alex, and I'm very opinionated on on this topic, is casters 
Oh, all red casters. Okay, I'm down to talk about this. Are already like gung ho. Uh, I'm I'm a professional veteran caster. I know everything already. I'm gonna put all my chips into this game. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I actually have a few different ways and opinions to look at it. But what do you kind of? How are your thoughts as a host that does all these games? Yeah. For How, sure. What do you, what do you feel like? Uh, it, it, you know, I, it's interesting for me because I approach this as a fan first, and then I think about my job second. Uh, I know that may seem a little odd, but you know, I've been very fortunate in my in my uh, career um, to be able to work across so many different games, and I would like to think that I bring some kind of uh, value to a broadcast when I'm part of it, right? I don't know what that is. I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I would like to think that I, I bring something to the table. Um, and, and it's because of that, you know, the, the desire and the joy that I have with video games in general, which is the reason why I seek to work in so many different games. And I find, I, I, I just find it to be fun. Period, right? Like when I worked my first Rainbow Six event, I didn't work it because Rainbow Six is a game that's on the rise and it's growing, you know, exponentially. No, I worked it because I've been playing Rainbow Six Siege for such a long time and I'm not the best player. I'm not the highest ranked player. Uh, and, and I still kind of sort of suck at the game, but I've been playing this game since the very beginning, like when the game first came out. And I just genuinely enjoy it. Same thing with Rocket League, right? Overwatch. Like I, I play Overwatch almost daily. Uh, I play Halo daily, right? So I work on those games uh, because I find joy in them. And it will be the same thing for myself for Valorant. If Riot were to shoot me a call and say, hey, we would like for you to be involved in, in Valorant Esports, I will, you know, and again, if I enjoy the game and all signs are pointing right now to I enjoy the game or I enjoy the idea of the game, obviously we'll have to see what it is when I, when I actually play it. Um, but again, like even Counter-Strike, uh, I actually started playing Counter-Strike a lot recently. And I'm really lo- loving it. I never really deep dived into Counter-Strike because I didn't grow up playing keyboard or mouse. I didn't grow up with a PC. I grew up with consoles. So now this is kind of like a whole new world to me. Um, so when it comes to all the other talent that are kind of staking their flag in there prematurely, I think it is exactly that. It's it's premature. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. But I also understand the reason why they're doing it. L- take a look at Overwatch and and how that whole thing came about. Look at the talent that that came across from all these different games, right? You you had very few homegrown Overwatch talent, and the ones that were, there was only one guy that actually got the nod to go and join the Overwatch League, and that was uh, a Hex, right? He was the only guy that literally came from Overwatch, like that was his thing. He and ZP casted Overwatch, and that was it. Uh, but then Brendan Sideshow came from TF. Too, right? Uh, I came from Halo, Call of Duty. Uh, Matt came from Call of Duty. Monty and Doa came from League. You had so much talent widespread throughout the industry that came in. So I think a lot of people are trying to stake a claim right now and say, hey, I want to be the guy or girl in Valorant because I think they're fearful of folks like myself. And I, and I don't say this to give myself any kind of clout whatsoever, but I think they are fearful of individuals like me who come from different games and have amassed a following from those games coming in and essentially knocking everyone out. And then essentially the rich continue to get richer as so the phrase goes. So I think that's what it is personally. What What's your take on it? 
Uh, I mean, first I want to say bravo. Everything you just said, I fully agree with. Uh, and before I like agree with it, I do want to look. I want to put a caveat out there to everyone if you actually made it this far. <laughs> and you, you are actually still listening to the show. I'm sorry for everyone else. Uh, <laughs> uh, is that like, look, I understand that again, these are billion dollar corporate mega corporations and companies in the end. Um, all of us are individual talent that work in the industry, and everyone deserves to be paid a fair rate and a fair share. Everyone's 100%. looking for jobs and industries. Everyone um, loves esports and video games like as a whole. And the industry is still trying to grow, and people are trying to eat. People are trying to get work. Food on the people table. People are trying to you know, put food on the table and have a career. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, going, you know, try working in a different game or a different field that you are not used to because you are trying to provide for yourself or your family um, so that you can earn a living. Uh, there is nothing to be shameful in that. There's nothing. There's no reason to gatekeep people from doing that um, or to um, look, look down upon those people. And on top of that, there's only a certain amount of work that can be. Uh, that can go around and, and it's very competitive out there like everyone mm -hmm. wants to be into esports everyone like really loves video games and there's only a certain number of hosting or casting or interviewer talent jobs out there that you can get um and and that you can do that in. and i do fully understand like the you know there is a business industry aspect of this um and that you know people just trying to make a living and that you should be able to go do what you want but i really have to say um, that goes back to your point. It is much better if you just love the game and then you are casting it because you already are invested in it and you already organic. That is how we all got into this space to begin yeah. with. I loved Quake, so I started casting Quake after playing it a ton and then I got involved in the community. Other people, like, especially did the same with StarCraft or Counter-Strike early on. And that's where almost all of the old school, like, very old, old, old school esports people came from one of these three games. Or on the console side, like yourself, you came from Halo or Call of Duty, because those were the old school um, console games that a lot of people came in on. Yeah. In that way. And if you love those games, it was a lot easier, because those some of those games, like Counter-Strike or Call of Duty, are still around now. So if you still had a love and you came into esports on those games, staying with them through this whole time is like kind of what you like had want to do. Yeah. Because that was how you first love that was your first love and that's how you want to keep doing things. Sometimes like Quake is it is like a kind of a dead game now, so you're not able to do that. Halo's a good example of it's not nearly as popular as it once was. If you grew up being a if you were like Pucket and you made a living casting and doing halo you can't do that anymore doing halo mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because the game is not in a position to give you a full-time career like it used to be and you can't you as an individual person cannot control that i mean you can be like a, a community leader and try to grow your community to make it more stable but you do not have the influence of making millions of people buy the video game or not and making the community be active so there's only so much you could do as an individual but look, Golden Boy, I've been you know I've been very vocal on this. I was not a huge fan of Overwatch League talent crew. Look, I know everyone on the talent crew. You've been my colleague. Um, we're friendly. We could consider each other friends in person. Mm -hmm. um, uh, most of you did not 
care about Overwatch, okay? I didn't see you playing Overwatch during the beta. None of you tried to get into it before Overwatch League was a huge thing. And it just so happens that a lot of esport talent that had big social media followings just yeah. so wanted to get into, into Overwatch when Overwatch League was coming on board. And again, I'm not opposed to people making money and taking Activision Blizzard's money. Take Activision Blizzard's money, okay? Like, take all of their <laughs> money. Take all Riot's money. Take all of Epic's money. Make that money. But don't come in here and tell me that you love Overwatch and that is why you're casting Overwatch. Yeah. Because you don't. You yeah. don't, and it's evident now that you're not casting Overwatch how much you really did not love Overwatch the first time when you did so. And it shines through. If you're not really passionate about the game that you're casting, you do not express it when you're on the talent. Not only does it not come out in the way that you are like, um, you are like normally hype about things and the way that you're able to call play in terms of like the play-by-play -play caster portion, mm -hmm. especially if you're on the analyst side, the color side, there are a lot of times people do not know what they are talking about because they do not have the knowledge or the insight as they should have if they were truly do you feel like knowledgeable that's at the game. You feel like it's it, what, Overwatch League had, in my, I've said, the worst tier one talent crew of any esports by far. And that was a, a much of it due to the lack of knowledge on the tier one talent crew to the game. It was mm -hmm. almost pathetic, embarrassingly pathetic. You know, if you're listening to this episode, who you are, you <laughs> never should have gone to the league in the first place. You wanted to go there to make money. Fine. You didn't learn Overwatch in that time. You still don't know Overwatch in that time. I am very concerned that it's going to happen with Vale right now. You're going to have a bunch of people who like like League of Legends, so they're cool with Riot, or that see this is a bunch of money, um, and they yeah. know that Counter-Strike is a big game, and they're going to want to cast the game. They played Counter-Strike three times in the last 20 years. They've never played a tactical shooter. They have no idea how to like the strategy involved or the way that headshot lines are or the way that you have to line up smokes and nades or you know the way that flanking work they don't have any of these these concepts because they have no history and now they want to cast Valorant because it's a bunch of money i do think that is a concern i really want people if you want to work in this game i played overwatch eight hours a day yeah. to know the game play the game you can't just watch the broadcast and you can you can do your homework and and watch all the professional matches and watch scrims and like talk to players all of that is very important to understanding the game too you have to play yeah you, you just have to play you, the you, game you do have to play i actually do agree with that um because you know th i think there's always like there's always this conversation where it's like, oh, yeah, but you weren't a top player, so how can you possibly understand? And I think that there's a an argument to be made about doing research and learning at a high level what an individual or, or what a player can do. Because think about it, right? Like a lot of uh, sports commentators and you know, MMA or whatever, like Joe Rogan never really got into the octagon, right? And, and, and competed mm -hmm. at an extremely high level. Um, but yet he is extremely well-versed in the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, so you can make the case for the, the education on it. But also, too, 
uh, you know, playing the game does add uh, just a little bit more to your repertoire as a commentator. Uh, I think that I was able to really contribute a lot as a Call of Duty commentator because I competed at an extremely high level. Uh, Halo, I competed at a moderately high level. Uh, games like that, I, I understood, you know, very much so. Whereas, you know, I think like even for myself, and I have no problem admitting this, you know, even even back then, right? Like I wasn't as well versed in Overwatch as much as I wanted to be at a high level because one, it, it was it was a difficult game to, to play. It was actually my first PC game. I don't know if you, you knew that, but it was my first PC Aww, game that I worked. So well, yeah, I mean, I, again, I grew up poor and I didn't have access to computers a lot of a lot of kids in, in my neighborhood don't have access to to this kind of stuff so because of that I first started playing Overwatch on a controller uh I didn't I didn't play keyboard and mouse now I can't imagine playing Overwatch with a controller it's like really hard that being said um I think having that that understanding was one of the reasons why I personally struggled as a caster and why I had no problem stepping aside, letting the actual casters cast, you know, folks like Mitch or even, you know, uh, uh, Brennan, Brennan Sideshow, who, who have, understand the game uh, better than I would, uh, and why I went over to being a, a host and, and just letting my personality be the thing and my love for the game as a whole be the driving factor of, of all of this. But when it comes down to the casting, while it is a regret of mine that I didn't, I didn't commit to it, I still, uh, I'm, I'm okay with the decision that I ended up making in Overwatch because I felt like that le led to a much more positive experience, not only for myself personally and mentally, but also for the viewer um, as well. And that's something that I kind of hope you know, we end up seeing in Valorant, but it's also the reason why I'm very hesitant to even say like, oh yeah, I'm going to try and become a Valorant caster or host because I mean, shit, I'm, I probably, oh, curse. Anyway, I played the game. This has gone on too long. I played the game <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, and maybe, maybe it's not my cup of tea. Right. So then at that point I have no problem saying like, Hey, listen, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to be involved in this. I find it highly unlikely given that I Shadowrun was one of my favorite games ever made. And yeah, uh, no, I mean, you, you say this, I know you're trying to be humble. You are a first person shooter guy. This is going to be, your, Oh, it's going to be attractive a hundred percent. Just like yeah, the way Apex I mean, Legends was when it first yeah. came out. Right. Like I, I do love Fortnite for everything that Epic has done and, and I, I enjoy it, but my goodness, I am just garbage at building. I cannot <laughs> build. I, it's like, my fingers become dumb. It's not possible for me to be able to do that like Bala or Monster can. I'm just not good at that. But when I play Apex, dude, I have the confidence of a strong Hispanic woman, and I don't need any man to tell me what I can and cannot do. That's, that's why right. I, that's why I enjoy playing that game. Uh, but yeah, I, I I totally agree with you um, on the on on what we the, the unfortunate reality of what could happen uh, with Valorant. But I would also like to think too. Like, if I were to get involved now in Valorant, I would be one of those individuals that would be very open to the up-and-coming talent. I feel like it's essential. I feel like it, it, it needs it to happen. We, we, of course, really not gatekeeping is very important. We need new young people in this industry, whether it's journalists and media, especially on my side, because I've seen how much we are lacking in that area. And we do need new talent and casting talent to rise from you know, from different. We games. do, we do, and we, but we also need veterans too to help train. I think that's the other bit too mm -hmm. that it is very important. Uh, I listen to a lot of amateur commentaries, probably more than than my colleagues would 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 do. I don't know. I mean, then again, speaking in uh, you know hyperbole, but I I feel like I watch amateur 
casters all the time because I'm interested to see who's coming up and who's doing what. And and I think that there's just room to, to train. Uh, we need that. We need people to stop doing the gatekeeping thing. It's it's not cool. It's just not good. It's It doesn't build talent for the long haul. It, and it, it just creates a, a very short-term solution when it requires something that needs a long-form thought process. Uh, we'll see what happens, right? We'll see what happens. Do mm-hmm. you think you're going to cast? Uh, you think you want to get involved as a caster again? I know um, you wanted to in, in Overwatch. I mean, I, I, I was. I was. I was the main analyst. Well, you were no. I mean, but you were doing the Alienware monthly melees. I, I don't yes. think you had a chance to do uh, like an ESL, right? I don't think you no, did uh, ESL event. Blizzard denied me from doing that. Yeah. Do you think yeah, that so, you would you would get into um, it this time around? And if and if that is the case, do you think you'd change your approach? No. If there are um, third party. I mean, Overwatch actually was much more my game, ironic. Um, but I mean, I, I do actually play Counter Strike like a lot. So I do think this is also going to be my game. Probably not because if Riot does something bad, I'm still going to say it. And now that I have even more influence, I'll probably gain even more traction by criticizing yeah. them. But I'm still going to want to cast um, the events. But I don't necessarily find I'm not a caster. I don't ever. I've never thought of myself as a caster, so it doesn't really. Yeah, it's the same way that I've never, I've never once, even though I attempted to years and years ago, I never uh, view myself as a journalist. Right? It's just not something that I'm, I'm, I'm good at. It's not something I'm comfortable doing, because uh, I'm, I'm not. I, I, I am, for lack of a better term, just I'm too nice. <laughs> I'm way too nice, and I know it pisses you off. It pisses off a lot of people that I know. But I'm way too nice. Or I'm just you like, are way too nice. It's so nice. I have that problem, man. I have that problem. All right, so I'm closing it out. Are we good? Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, that was that's Cl- closing thoughts. You think Valorant is going to be the next big thing in esports? You have 90 seconds. Go. Uh, Valorant. <laughs> Val- Do you think Valorant? Or Valor Ant is going to be the next big thing in esports. No, that was my. That was it. That was the end. That was it. God damn. Hey, Valorant. Valorant. All right, I'm man. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Valorant. Pretty sure Valorant. Let's I'm, see I'm what. Not, I'm not like totally convinced. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm just gonna hit up Quiff and just be like, "Is it Valorant or Valorant?" And then just go from there. I'm actually interested uh, in the result. That's like the most important thing that should come out of this. Exactly. We started with that. We're gonna end with that, mm-hmm. and that's it. Thank you so much, Slasher, for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Of course, keep kicking ass. Keep doing your thing. Go to uh, check out Slasher on Twitter at Slasher. That's where all the leaks, all the news, so much of the industry just comes right through Slasher's uh, fingers on Twitter. That sounded mildly sexual, um, but there you have it. <laughs> That's it. Thank you so yeah, much once again, baby. brother. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Alan. Thank you.